0: Greetings, users and programs, and welcome to episode number three of Cactus Flax Podcast. I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara, and on today's show, I will be covering Map Mania, which was released in 1985 by Taito. <music> Mania was a professional wrestling game, the object of which was to win the title and see how far you can go. It was controlled with a single eight-way joystick and two buttons, one for punch and one for kick, and came as a kit, so it was usually installed in a generic cabinet. So in Map Mania, it is you versus a string of enemies. There are five different people you will have to face. Those include the Insane Warrior, Karate Fighter, Coco Savage, the Piranha, it's actually Pirania because it's misspelled in the game, and Golden Hulk. Uh, many of these wrestlers are based on real wrestlers that appeared either in American or Japanese wrestling. Uh, for example, uh, Insane Warrior is based uh I believe on the Road Warriors. Coco Savage looks a lot like Coco Beware and a coast uh Golden Hulk uh looks a lot suspiciously, I should say, like Hulk Hogan. Uh he also has Hulk Hogan's finishing move of the leg drop. So they were all based on real wrestlers. The game is presented in a pseudo-isometric uh 3D view you can see the entire ring uh from the side and it is sloped, so you can move up and down and left and right. Uh you can punch and kick. You can knock your opponent dizzy by hitting them three times in a row, at which point you can either knock them down or, or grab them and try one of the advanced moves. You can throw them into the opposite ropes, uh, you can throw them over the ropes, you can dive off the turnbuckle uh and land on them with your knees. Uh, there, there's all kinds of moves you can perform in this game. And actually, as far as the moves go, it's fairly advanced, not advanced, uh, like we think for modern arcade games today, but there were a lot of different moves. You could do pile drivers, you can, uh, run and do clotheslines. Uh, you could do all sorts of things. You can even go outside the ring and fight there. Although the minute you leave the ring, a 20, Uh, second timer begins, and if you are out of the ring for more than 20 seconds, you are disqualified, so that's kind of a dangerous place to be. Each match lasts three minutes, and you have to successfully wear your opponent down uh, and pin them for a three count. Now, there is no power meter, so you just kind of have to guess where you are in the fight, whether or not you can uh, pin your opponent, and lots of times if you try to pin them and they're not ready to be pinned. They may turn the tides on you and stand up and take control of the game itself. The graphics are good for the time. They are, I would call the, this um, an 8-bit uh, era of graphics. But there are lots of details. Um, the All the um, different wrestlers look unique. And of course, one of the things this game is famous for are all the celebrities that appear in the crowd. You can find Darth Vader. You can find uh, Z Top is in the crowd. I believe uh, Donkey Kong and, and Superman. There's all sorts of people in the crowd. They're hard to spot when you're playing the game, but uh, it's really fun to watch if uh, one of your friends is playing or if you pause and, and go through the crowd, you can see all sorts of uh, little in-jokes that the programmers stuck out there in the crowd. Uh, it does have good music, I think, and, of course, sound effects. You have the punches and kicks and... Uh, all those sorts of things. So there's uh, uh, all that included in. And of course, this game also has digitized speech uh, whenever the referee counts, uh, performs his three count. Uh, And of course he does uh, one, two, and then his little hilarious three sound effect, (laughs) which uh, we all used to do uh, in the arcade when we played this game. Uh, This is actually the middle game in a series of games. Uh, The first was Tag Team Wrestling. It was an arcade game released in 1984. And in 1986, it was released for the Apple II, the Commodore 64, the Nintendo Entertainment System, and for DOS Machines. Um, Map Mania is very different from that. Even though it's a wrestling game and it was from the same people, Map Mania is quite a bit different. So it is sometimes referred to as a spiritual successor to that game. Uh, Matt Mania was released in arcades and recently was released on the PS4 as part of a um collection. I believe all 3 of these games were released in a package together. The third game in the series is Mania Challenge. It was again released for the arcade and it also appeared on the Atari 7800. The big difference between Matt Mania and The sequel, Mania Challenge, is that Mania Challenge supports two-player games so that you can fight against a friend, where Map Mania is only one person at a time. If you play a two-player game, it's just alternating, and you're both trying to see how far uh, that you can go. Uh, If you want to try this game out, MAME emulates it perfectly. Again, it uses an eight-way stick and two buttons, so that's all you need to get started playing uh, Map Mania. My history with this game before purchasing it, I grew up in a neighborhood called Sun Valley. It was um, five blocks. It was shaped like a long rectangle, and there were a couple of roads in and out of Sun Valley, but there were no through roads, so there was no through traffic. Nobody ever drove through. If you came into Sun Valley, it's because you were going to someone's house. Um, And it was located right off of a busy street, that was outside of town in the middle of nowhere. So you couldn't walk to town. It was too far away. You couldn't uh, walk to any kind of business or anything like that, except for one place, the convenience store. Now the convenience store changed names a few times while I was growing up. It was uh, uh, 3W and 5M and uh, all kinds of weird uh, names. It was one of those little independently owned uh, convenience stores, and that's where we would go when we had our change. It was about uh, a half a mile walk uh, from my from where I lived in the neighborhood to the convenience store. So we would walk all the way down to the other side of the neighborhood, and then cross Tenth Street, which was a at that time a two lane road with a fifty mile an hour speed limit. So you had to really look and make sure no cars were coming. And we would run across Tenth Street, and then we would be uh, at the convenience store. And the convenience store had, uh, candy and soda and all the things that convenience stores have, but they also had arcade games. Now I think the best I can remember, they usually had two or maybe three arcade games uh, and they were kind of located in the back. So uh, we would go, I know that they had joust. Um, and I know that they had track and field because I played a lot of track and field there. Uh, And for a while they had asteroids, um, but I also remember that they had map mania. And so we would take our quarters and go up there and, um, and just play map mania for as long as we could. Now, um, one of the things about map mania is that there are some patterns to the game. And once you learn these patterns, you can play this game for a long time. So it's not like, uh, like I remember track and field being up there. And if you couldn't qualify on one of the first couple of events, your game would be over the same thing with asteroids. You know, if you weren't good at asteroids, your games were over pretty quickly, but Matt mania, uh, once we learned these patterns, we could actually play these games, uh, for quite a while. And that's what we did. So we would go up to the store, uh, buy a, a drink or some candy and sit there and play arcade games. Now, I uh, mentioned in the last episode that I had already purchased my first arcade game. I had Elevator Action, and I was looking through the newspaper, and I saw an advertisement that said an arcade auction was coming to town. Now, uh, arcade auction, I had never heard of such a thing, and and they were not very uh, popular back in that time. So this was uh, interesting, and I thought, you know, even if I can't, purchase or afford any arcade games at this auction, it would be willing to, to, uh, to go, or I would be willing to go just to look at the machine. So, uh, I got my dad and, uh, the two of us, uh, took, uh, I think his truck. Yeah. And we went down to this auction. It was at the fairgrounds and, uh, we went early. So at the way an arcade auction works usually is, the auction usually has a set time that it starts, like maybe 10 a.m., but from 8 to 10, you could go and just look at all the machines and people plug them in and try them and so you can see, uh, you know, what machines work or if they have any problems. Uh, and and Matt Mania, I saw it there, and it was a game that I knew and I really liked. Now, I didn't know. I had no basis of comparison at that point. I didn't know how much arcade games sold for, so I didn't know if I could afford Matt Mania or not. So as we start going through the bidding, they started and, uh, they would line the games up in a long aisle. So there would be multiple aisles and you would work down and Matt mania, uh, was somewhere, I think maybe in the second aisle, it definitely wasn't a, uh, a big draw, you know? And so, uh, as, as the games were going, I was watching games like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong sell and they were selling for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And I just knew that I probably wasn't going to be able to uh, afford a game that day. I don't remember how much money I took at the time, but it certainly wasn't you know four or five hundred dollars, which is what those other machines were selling for. So, my dad and I went to the snack area and we got a a coke and we were sitting down. And I saw the crowd of people going around the corner to where uh, Matt Mania was. So I went over. Now I had like four or five games that I had wanted to purchase that day. Uh, Matt Mania was one of them. So I went over to where the crowd was. And uh, before long, they had moved over to Map Mania. And so I I had my number. I had registered, and they gave me my little voter uh, card with my number on it. And I I weaseled my way right up to the front of the crowd. I mean, I was the first person in line. And the uh, auctioneer says, okay, here's a classic from Taito. It's Map Mania, and we're going to start the bidding at $500. And I remember just thinking, just deflated you know, I mean, $500, uh, there's no way I could afford that. And so I was getting ready to walk away and, and the auctioneer said, okay, uh, let, let's start the opening bid at 300 because nobody bid $500. And, uh, so I thought, well, 300, I still really can't afford that. But, uh, you know, it was interesting that he had dropped the price down. Well, nobody bid 300 either. So he started the bidding at 100 and I thought, you know, for 100, uh, you know, that, that might be, I don't remember. I I may have taken $200. Um, so a hundred I could afford, you know, but I didn't bid yet. I was kind of waiting. And, um, then he dropped it and he said, they're going to start the bidding at $25. Well, I could barely contain myself. So I, I picked my card up and I kind of waved it, you know? And uh, he says, I have a bid for $25. Do I hear $35, $50, $50? And nobody bids. And he says, sold to the young man in the front before he has the time to change his mind. And uh, anyway, uh, so I kind of moved back, you know, to where my dad was. And my dad says, oh, man, they just sold your game for $25. And I was like, I know, I bought it. I bought it. (laughs) I was so excited. Uh, And so uh, I purchased that game. I purchased another game that same day, which we'll be talking about on episode four of Cactus Flax. But I was very excited. This was the first arcade game that I had purchased at an arcade auction. So uh, we were in my dad's truck. My dad had a Chevy full-size truck at the time, and we um, put the games in the back of his truck and strapped them down and took them back to his house. Uh, Once we were at his house, I still had that little Nissan pickup that I mentioned in the last episode. So we put the two machines I purchased in the back of the truck and I ran one strap. I hooked it on the front of the bed of the truck, ran it around the games and back up to the front and I strapped it down and everything seemed pretty tight. And, uh, I didn't live that far away from my dad, you know, probably, oh, five minute drive. So I left the neighborhood. I pulled up to, uh, that same 10th street that I used to walk across when I was a kid and turned left and heard a loud crash and looked, and both games had fallen over. Now, they didn't fall out of the truck, <laughs> but they were laying sideways and leaning out of the truck, and the truck was leaning to the right. Uh, and so I you know, immediately pulled up to the first driveway and pulled in, and um, we uh, stood the games back up <laughs> and uh, did a little bit more uh, a little better job at strapping these games. Now, um, I take it back. I lived further than five minutes away from my dad at that time because we had purchased a house. And that was the deal that my wife had said, you know, after I had elevator action, she said, before I bought any more games, uh, we should have a bigger place to live. And so we, uh, purchased a house that was built in 1880 and the story behind this house, uh, could actually, actually, you know what? I did do an episode of you don't know flack. So if you go to podcast.robohair.com, uh, I may put a link to this in the show notes, uh, but I actually did talk about this house. This house was built in 1880. As I always say, that's 26 years before Oklahoma was even a state. Um, so this house had been divided up into a bunch of smaller rooms, uh, and they had turned it almost into apartments actually they they were apartments for college students so uh the the house was about twenty six hundred square foot I believe, and it had four kitchens uh it had four living rooms it had four bedrooms <laughs> it had you know it was all divided up into these little apartments uh and so the the area that my wife and I kind of moved into had the nicest living room. And then right off of that were uh, two bedrooms. And so uh, one of the bedrooms became our master bedroom and the other one kind of became uh, my office room. And then right off of that was a kitchen and dining room, but there were no appliances in it. It was just, you know, gutted. And so I said, that looks like a great place for an arcade. <laughs> and so I moved elevator action into that little area, and then this day I moved two more games uh, into the kitchen slash dining room that we didn't use for a kitchen or dining room. Uh, So, um, uh, yeah, that's what we used that room for. So I had a little mini arcade starting right there. So, um, um, let's see. You know, my memories of playing it at home were uh that it wasn't as fun as it was when I was a kid because when you're a kid and you drop a quarter into a game, uh the fact that you can play it for, you know, five, ten, fifteen minutes on a single quarter is really cool. I mean, that's great. But when you own a machine, uh and you can play, you know, each round you can play for however long, ten or fifteen minutes. Um, it gets a little tedious and you don't want to play it over and over. You know, um I think when I got my high score, it was somewhere like in the, I don't know, 20th or 30th round, something like that. I'd have to go back and look. But, um, you know, so if I were trying to beat one of my scores, I might have to play this game for a long time. And so uh, it it just wasn't that much fun to own at home as it was, you know, playing it out on location. Uh, I never did any repairs to it. The game that I purchased, the machine that I purchased, I believe, was installed in a gyrus cabinet. Um, It it had the same shape that looked just like gyrus, so I believe that's probably what it was. I don't have great pictures of any of the machines that I owned. I owned uh, a total of, I believe, six machines when we lived in this house before we moved, and that's when we moved uh, across the country to Washington uh, but this was before digital photography, you know, I, nobody had digital cameras and nobody had cell phones. We moved in 1996, uh, so I didn't have a cell phone with a camera. I didn't even have a cell phone. I don't think at the time. Uh, so now what I did have was a tiny, uh, video camera, like a, uh, eight millimeter, I think, uh, video camera. And I had this thing called a snappy which plugged into the parallel port of your computer and it had RCA inputs. And so you could feed video into this thing and then take screenshots. Uh, and they weren't, you know, great quality or anything like that. But uh, that's how I have pictures of these machines because I took video of my little arcade room. And like I said, the the lighting's not real great. And I think the the footage is only, you know, less than 30 seconds long, but it was enough to to get screenshots or, you know, captures of each one of the machines. So I I literally only have one picture of this machine and the lighting's not great. So it's a little uh, difficult to tell. But um, anyway, I, I'm pretty sure it's a gyrus cabinet. Also the bezel that went around the monitor, uh, not just the paper, but the plastic uh, that went around was missing. So on my machine, when the lights were on, you could clearly see that the monitor was just mounted there and you could see down into the cabinet. But most of the time in that room, I just left the lights off. I thought it looked cool with the monitors and the marquees all lit up in there. And so, uh, when it was a little dark in there, you couldn't quite, uh, see down into the machine. Uh, so again, this is one of the machines I sold when we moved to Washington state. Uh, I believe that I sold it for the same price that I purchased it for, which was $25. You know, I had to put, uh, ads of the paper to sell these machines. And I didn't have very long to do it. So when people came over, uh, and they would lowball me, I didn't feel like I had any option at the time. I couldn't afford to put them in storage or, uh, you know, if I didn't sell them before we moved, they were just going to stay in the house and I was giving them away. So I was literally taking any money I could get for them at the time. And so I, I do believe according to my notes, uh, that I sold this for the same amount that I paid. So at least I broke even on it. Uh, according to uh, Exidy's arcade price guide online, uh, the current value for Matt mania is 50 to $150. So it doesn't seem like I took a horrible beating on selling it for $25. Uh, it's not a very collectible or highly desirable game. Again, I think it's one that uh, when people, you know, people that have a nostalgic connection to it, enjoy this game. I'm one of those people, but if you didn't play it back in the eighties, then it might not be a game that you love. I checked eBay and there are no dedicated or converted cabinets for sale. There are several PCBs for sale. Um, the highest one I saw, well, there were some real high ones, but the highest, um, uh, uh, you know, legitimate priced one was uh, $75. And that one showed that it was tested and working. And then for untested ones, I saw them as inexpensive as $10. Now this is one case where untested might be a legitimate claim. And the reason is because this is not a JAMA compatible board. Uh, The Taito games of this era had a different pinout. So it's, it's possible that people have this board and are unable to test it. So Uh, in fact, there's one auction right now for $40 where there are three boards, two for Mania challenge and one, uh, for Matt Mania. And it says that they're all untested, uh, because they're not JAMA compatible. So that, you know, if you bought three of them, you might have good odds of, uh, of getting one of them that works. There's also a marquee for this game for sale. Um, I used to have a pretty large collection of marquees that I had picked up over the years. Sometimes I even sold games. And if I just sold the, um, the board or whatever, for some reason, like if the, the cabinet was junk and I sold the board, I'd usually keep the marquee. So I have a pretty good collection of marquees. I don't have one for Matt mania. And I really don't have any place to display marquees anymore. If I did, then, uh, that, that $20 price would be, uh, uh pretty tempting actually. <laughs> so I really did like this game. Uh, but would I buy it again? Eh, probably not. Uh, it has the same problem that a lot of games have, uh, which is that it is emulated perfectly in MAME. Again, uh, you only need one eight-way joystick and two buttons. So, um, and, and not only that, that's not the only criteria that I have for uh, repurchasing a game. But uh, it would have to be something that I just knew that I would play all the time, and I don't know... Uh, that this would be that game. And also there's nothing unique about the cabinet at all. In fact, I don't think there's even any side art uh, out there available for the cabinet. I wasn't able to find any. So, uh literally if you're buying this, you're just buying a kit, you know, maybe with a uh a marquee and a bezel, uh but but it would just go in a, a generic cabinet or, or a cabinet for another game. So, uh there's there's no real display factor for this game for me. So I did like this game. Um, whenever I set MAME up, this is a game that always goes into my favorites folder. Um, I do play it from time to time, but uh, like I said, once you know the patterns for the game, it's just not that challenging anymore. So, uh, but uh, all that being said, all the little negative things and that you can poke at this game, I do still miss uh, playing it a little bit. Thanks for listening to another episode of Cactus Flax. You can find more episodes of Cactus Flax over at podcast.robohara.com. If you'd like to contact me, send me an email at RoboHara at Robohara.com. Find me on Twitter at Commodork or follow this page on facebook.com forward slash Flax. You can also leave a voicemail on the Rob O'Hara podcast hotline, which is area code 405-486-YDKF. Cactus Flax is a proud member of Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. To find this and other retro themed podcasts, visit ThrowbackNetwork.net. Thanks again for listening.